been in 1 Samuel since 2020, and I haven't been there in a long time. I think the last person uh, that preached out of 1 Samuel was Andy. And what chapter was that? Chapter 27, and he'll actually be preaching chapter 28 on the 30th. So I'm just going to let him finish um, that series. Um, uh, but we're, uh, we're, we're in Romans 14 tonight. I just felt the Lord would have us to be here. And this is a message you'll, you'll probably hear on a Sunday morning um, at some point. But I just felt led to preach this um, this evening. Romans chapter number 14. And uh, I love church. I love the Word of God. I'm thankful for it. I love the good music. It's already encouraged me and blessed me tonight. But let's read, if you have your Bibles, Romans 14. We'll read verses 1 um, through 13 tonight. It says this, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. And let him not that eateth despise him that eateth not. When we were in 1 Corinthians, we studied that principle about there were some that ate and there were some that didn't. And one side would judge, one side would judge the other side would despise. Paul's talking about the same thing here. Verse 3, And let him not which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up. For God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord. For he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and received, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give, this is amazing, an account of who? Himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but rather judge this, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Let's pray together tonight. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word, and Lord, we thank you that it's always right on time, and Lord, we do lift up the Holdens once again tonight, and Lord, bless their travel. Lord, I pray that, Lord, uh, you'd bless our, our, our Bible study and preaching tonight. God, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, I pray for our young people that are in Rwanda tonight. Lord, I pray that you would just work there. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for who you are. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. The church at Rome was composed of believers from many different religious and cultural racial backgrounds. Because of this, there was uh, widely varying opinions in the church about what was right and what was wrong. Um, and by the way, let me just say this right off the bat. I know some people are completely believe everything's black and white, okay? There are some things that aren't cut and dry in Scripture. Amen. Man, there's some things that don't you wish God would just come out and tell us, like, on every issue? Man, he doesn't, okay? There are, and I know some people don't like when I say this, but it's just the facts, and if you don't like it, it's just the way it is. I would rather things be black and white and, like, no gray areas. But here's the truth of the matter. There's some gray areas. 
There's some things that God doesn't just come out and say. There's some debatable items. So what ends up happening, and the question we're going to answer tonight, is how do we maintain unity in a church with different opinions about different things? About these gray areas. Now, I've seen churches split over things that aren't clear-cut in Scripture. I've seen relationships totally strained. I've seen people broken apart and split up over some of these issues. And listen, it is God's desire that Christians are unified within the church. John 17, Christ even praying Himself, He prays that the church will be one. Verse number 9 of that chapter, He says this, I pray for them that they may be one as we are He goes on to say this in verse number 20 of John 17. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through the word, that all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. In them and thou in me, and they may be made perfect in one. Christ's desire, and listen, and Christ's prayer is that the church is unified, that it's in harmony, that we may be one. Man, I think it's awesome that Christ is answering so many of our prayers and we have the opportunity to answer one of Christ's prayers. Think about that. Aren't you thankful He answers our prayers? But one of the prayers He prayed for the church, we have the opportunity to answer. And it's this. Man, we can be unified. Man, we can give that to Him as a way of worship. Ten times in the book of Acts, it says they were in one accord and they were unified. And can I just say this, a church will never have the power of the New Testament church until we have the unity of the New Testament church. So what, what's so difficult, and, and I thank God we have a unified church, but what's so difficult, man, when, when churches aren't unified, to be unified? What, what is it that, 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 what is it, man, that causes so much division? And I think it's important that we understand this, Christ never demanded uniformity, but he did demand unity. He never demanded us to put on a uniform and all look the same and all talk the same and and all believe exactly the same. But the one thing that he did demand is unity. Have y'all noticed that not all Christians are alike? We don't all believe exactly the same on each and every minute detail of Christian living. And, And listen, Uniformity means to put on a uniform. Unity means to be in harmony in spite of the uniforms that aren't exactly the same. The Bible is very clear on most issues and it's very specific. But this passage is specifically dealing with those issues that are gray, that are not cut and dry, black and white. Tonight we're going to look at this, accepting each other, how to have differences without being divisive, how to disagree agreeably. Look at verse number 1 of our text, Romans chapter number 14. Him that is weak in the faith, notice these two words, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. He's saying this, accept them 
without debating them. Accept them without being contentious. Accept them without being argumentative. Him that is weak in the faith receive you, but not to doubtful disputations. It means to welcome, to receive, not to exclude, to make them feel comfortable, to make them feel welcomed and loved. Don't reject them simply because they disagree with you. So I want to give you three things right off the bat. Our passage gives us three ways to receive someone that we have differences with. Now, we like being around people that agree with us. I do. I don't like necessarily when somebody doesn't agree with me. However, we are called to get along, to love, and to be unified even with those that do not agree with us. And we're specifically talking about gray areas here. The first thing that the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes tonight is this. Man, how do we get along with them? How do we receive them? The first thing is this, by not arguing with them. By not arguing with them. Did you know you never actually win an argument? You may think you do, but you don't win it. I mean, in marriage, when you argue to get your way, you may get what you want now, but you'll also get what you don't want later. Somebody help me tonight. You'll change the immediate situation, but you'll hurt the long-term relationship. You can win an argument many times and lose a friend. Man, I've seen it happen so many times. Man, let me say this. You must love people many times into what we want them to be. Man, a lot of times you'll win that one so much more than arguing them into it. Second thing is this, by not judging them. This is all introduction. So he says, first of all, don't argue with them, those that are different on these gray areas. Secondly, it's not judging them. Look at verse 3. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that doth eateth. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to judge someone? Am I the only one? <laughs> it's our natural tendency. Someone driving slower than you is an idiot. Huh? But have you ever had an engine problem or transmission problem and people behind you didn't know it? Someone's driving faster than you, Jay, and where's my, is my wife? She's in the nursery. Someone driving faster than you is a maniac. But have you ever had a need for speed? I mean, if I'm Jason right now, my gas pedal's to the metal going to Ohio. You understand what I'm saying? Right? Oh, they're driving like a maniac. Oh, listen, if it's your baby, you're, you're, you're heading there. Have you ever, uh, you know, someone doesn't use their blinker when turning in front of you. They're inconsiderate. But have you ever not turned your blinker on? Paul gives two different groups here. Just trying to get to think. He gives the strong and the weak. One Less strict, which if you study this, and we're not going to get into all this tonight, the one who's less strict is actually stronger because he doesn't need all the boundaries because he's got his heart under control. The one who is more strict, listen, both are true Christians. Both are sincere, but both, listen, both disagreed on different items. It wasn't a sin for them to disagree. You know where Paul and God says the sin came in? When we debated and we judged. Listen, it wasn't a sin to be different. It was a sin to be divisive. It wasn't a sin to have differing opinions. It was a sin to demand the other person to conform to their opinion on that gray area. Their motto was this, believe as I believe, no more, no less, that I am right and no one else confess. Think as I think, go where as I go, be as I am, know what I know, look only as I look, do always as I do, for then and only then will I fellowship with you. You know, that's the motto of a lot of Christians today, even within a local body. Verse number 3, look at verse number 3, let not him that eateth despise him. 
that eateth not. So on one end, you have this side. We talked about this in 1 Corinthians. On, on this end, you have one side that, man, they don't eat. Okay, they're not to judge the one that does. The one that does eat is not to despise the one that does not eat. Whether you call it despising, going from the less to the more, or judging from the more to the less, either way they were looking down on either on each other. Either way they were mentally condemning the other. Either way they were prejudging that person's spiritual condition. Either way they were putting that person down mentally. So how do we accept them? Man, we receive them by not arguing, by not judging, by the way, by not making fun of them, by not putting down, by not ridiculing, by not laughing and snickering, by not scorning and scoffing, by not secretly feeling superior. And then thirdly, I wrote this one down, by not changing them. Before you crucify me on that, let me explain this. What I mean is this. It is not our job to change them. Whose job is it? It's God's job. I'll be honest with you, I spent a lot of my early ministry trying to change people. And if I change them, guess what? That change ain't going to last too long. It's got to be what? It's got to be internal change by the Holy Spirit of God. For a long time in our Baptist churches back in the day, and even some still do this today, the moment somebody gets saved, they want to slap, uh, uh, slap a suit and a tie on them. You know what I'm saying? They want to make them conform to all these outside-looking things. Man, we've got to allow God to change people. Everybody is on different journeys and in different areas and in different places. Let's look at verse number 4. You got your Bibles open still? And I know we don't like this. The Bible messes up a whole lot of our Baptistic ways. Amen. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? Look at this. To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Listen, the favorite indoor sport of a lot of Christians is trying to change other people. You don't change people by trying to change people. You change people by loving people and letting God change them. You know what nagging is? When you try to change a person instead of letting God change that person. I've seen it, man. Somebody comes into church and the first thing we want to do is force them to do this, force them to do that, to look this way, to do this, not to go there, not to do this. If it's not a change from the Holy Spirit of God, it's not a change that's worth a whole lot. I found this. Once people get in, plugged in in the community under the preaching of the Word of God, guess who is going to change them eventually? Man, the Word of God is. Man, it's going to be spirit-filled change. It's going to be long-term change. We don't change people. That's the whole point of this first section. I want us to understand that. God's the one who changes them. So I just want to give you, here, here's, here's the message. I want to give you six reasons tonight why we should accept each other, even when we're a little bit different. And I'm thankful our church practices this. But we always, we always need to practice it. We always need to understand this. And, and so, let's talk about gray areas. There's people in this room right now, across the room, and maybe even up here, that we wouldn't agree on every single area that's not clear-cut in Scripture. So how do we maintain unity? I've seen people fight over the dumbest stuff, man. I've seen people fight over things because they've heard it their entire life, and it's no more Bible than Peter Pan's the Bible tonight. Seriously. I have. I've had some of the most ridiculous stuff in the world. So how do we accept each other on these preferential things that are different? Number one, why should we? Number one, I wrote this down, because God has already accepted them. <laughs> look at verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye. Then look at verse 3. Let not him that eateth despises him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth judge him that eateth. What are the last words of that verse? For God hath what? He's received both of them already. 
God's received them. The godly thing, the Christ-like thing, is to accept that person. The biblical thing is to accept them. Accept them because God has already accepted them. You may say, but they're different. They don't line up lock step, step with me. Romans 15, 7 says this, Wherefore receive you one another as Christ also received us. Aren't you thankful that even when we don't line up lock step with Him, listen, He still accepts us? Man, that's awesome. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's forgiveness. That's what the Christian life is all about. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure when Christ accepted me, he didn't see eye to eye with me on everything. <laughs> you ever thought about that before? Sometimes, some of us sometimes have a higher standard for people than God does. That's tough to think about tonight. So think about it. God's already expected them. Here's the, here's the next one I wrote down, number two. Because judging is not my responsibility. Look at verse four. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his, you see it? Next two words. Own what? Master, he standeth or fall. Look look at this. When you feel like looking down on someone, when you feel like judging someone, when you feel like belittling someone, when you feel like mentally condemning someone, and I'm talking about gray areas. There's righteous judgment that we're supposed to do. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about preferential things that are not clear in Scripture. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Those things that God doesn't just come out and say. Listen, you know, here's something we got to always remember. Only God has the right to judge those things, and I'm about to blow your mind here. You're not God. I'm not God. It's not my job to play God on those gray areas, on those things. Is everybody trying? I posted a post the other day about tattoos. That's one of those areas people have. And they asked Jesus, and I loved it. I'm probably, I thought it was awesome. He said, Jesus, should we, Jesus says, love everyone. And they said, even if they have two, uh, tattoos. And then Jesus says back, yes, even if they ask stupid questions. You see what I'm saying? We, if we're not careful, I, I heard a preacher get up and he was preaching against tattoos. And he goes to a verse in Exodus and Leviticus that talks about marking your body. The very next verse talks about how men should not round their beards. So my question is this, and I'm just giving you a good example here. Okay, so if you're going to practice such and such verse, guess which verse you need to practice also? You might as well move to Israel and start doing it like the old... T- is everybody tracking me here? They go to a verse in Deuteronomy 22 that says a woman shouldn't put on a man's garment. And, and it's talking about specifically about cross-dressing. It's not talking about pants. They didn't even have pants, okay? It's talking about cross-dressing and gender identity. But there's preachers all over the country that'll stand up and say that's the reason women shouldn't wear pants. Where later on in that same passage, it's talking about that you shouldn't even lay in the same bed when your wife's going through her, her stuff that she goes through. Is everybody tracking me? It, it talks about how we should handle a bird's nest if we come across it. Talks about how we should stone fornicators. Okay, so let's just be consistent. Are y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying? Listen, sometimes we'll take stuff that God never even says and we'll begin to push it on other people. Listen, I just want to remind you tonight and remind me, we are not the level. What we think ain't the level of spirituality. What God's Word says is on these gray areas. So what happens is... For, for over time, there's institutional rules. We have certain institutional rules. My staff, there's certain things that I expect out of them that aren't necessarily in the Bible. Those are good rules that we follow for protection and things that we have there. And what happens after time, people will start to spiritualize those rules and say that those rules, because the staff or the church or the Christian school or the Bible college follows them, that's the mark for spirituality. Let me just remind you, the only mark for spirituality is what God's Word says. 
So that's what ends up happening. And our preferences, we become passionate about, listen, judging isn't, I'm not God. And if it's not in his word, that's not a hill that we should die on. I know people who get angry, will holler each other, won't talk to family members, that will split churches over things that aren't even in Scripture. The third reason in our text is this, because I don't know their motives. I do not know their motives. Man, I don't know. Do you know that a person that may be different with you, may actually have a pure and higher motive than you do. You don't know. I've heard people say before, when it comes to singing, this is one of my favorites, well, if a person gets up and they sing real bad, oh, they're just singing from their heart. Somebody sings really good, oh, they're just showing off. No, what you've just done is you've revealed what your motive would be if you were in their situation. Just because somebody gets up and sing bad doesn't mean they're singing from their heart. They may have so much pride that they don't realize that that's not a gift that God's given them. Is everybody tracking me here? And they force their way onto the platform. I've seen it happen before. By the way, it's kind of like that American Idol thing when the kids, does anybody remember that show? We used to watch that back in the day. I loved it. I liked like the first five weeks because you get these people on there that can't sing a lick. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And they get up there and like, I love Simon Cowell. Like if I was another person, that's who I want to be. He'd get up there, and you sound like garbage. That is terrible. Maybe we'll do Eufola, American Idol, and we'll tell you what we really think. We'll have some singing going on. But I love when they get, but here's the sad part about all that. There's people that are lying to their kids their entire lives. Can I just tell you this? Just be honest with them. Not, not every kid's good at basketball. Not every kid's good at singing. Not every kid's gifted in that area. Fine. Is everybody tracking me there? So we can't judge somebody's motive. That person that gets up there and can't sing can be more prideful than the good person. The whole point is this. We can't judge their motives, man. We don't know what's in somebody's heart. Oh, I, this is one of my favorite ones. I hear people say, oh, they're just in it. They're just doing it for the money. You know what you've just revealed? You just revealed what you'd be doing it for if you were in the spot that they were in. Listen, we've got to be careful about judging other people's motives because at the end of the day, you may think you know it. You may think, I've learned this the hard way and God's humbled me so many times because I thought I knew somebody's motives when I had no idea what the whole story was. And when you see those other people, we don't know their motive. Look at verse 5. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another man esteemeth every day alike. Look what it says here. Let every man, this is talking about holy days, okay? I had somebody give me a hard time because I mowed my grass on Sunday one time when I first moved here. This is talking to you, the one that gave me a hard time, this verse. He that regardeth today, that's what this is, this is what this is specifically talking about. He that regardeth today regardeth it unto the Lord. And he regardeth not the day, look at it, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth for the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, eateth not, and giveth thanks. We don't know their motives is what he's saying. Whether they eat or they don't eat, if they're doing for the glory of God, it's not my job. To judge their motives. Man, that's heavy sometimes because we are so good at it. I find myself sometimes doing it. I want to encourage you to think about it. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this. Man looketh on the outward appearance, right? We can't see the inside of somebody. But God, what does he see? Man, he sees that heart. Have you ever been misunderstood before I have? Have you ever had a good motive and somebody didn't think you did? I have. Have you ever been trying to sincerely help and somebody took it the wrong way 
And they get a little bit offended because they don't really know your motive behind it and they think that they do. Listen, we've got to be careful about knowing people's. Only God can see their heart. I don't know your motive and you don't know mine. Only God can judge because only God knows the heart. Hebrews 4.13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not made manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God's the only one that knows. Listen, so but judging is not my responsibility. I don't know their motives. God is already accepted them and here's one that's important that we forget a lot within the church because we're related to each other y'all realize that back in the day when you went to church it's kind of creepy guess what they used to call each other brother and sister and I do it now I call my wife sis sometimes and she gets so mad and a lot of places I preach they still use that terminology but you know where that originally came from it's because the church is supposed to hey we're part of the same family y'all realize that tonight Man, if you, you think about your family, your whole family ain't the same. Your physical family, they ain't the same. Man, we got, I went to a family reunion back in the day. It looked like a scene off America's Most Wanted. Somebody help me tonight. I mean, we had all kinds of people, man. We had, you know, we, I've told you stories before. We had people over for Christmas Eve. We had to lock the medicine cabinets. I mean, we had crazy stuff. We all have crazy uncles. I just recently came to the conclusion that in mine and Sarah's family, I'm the crazy uncle. Okay, we figured that out recently. Um, but, you know, all families don't look exactly alike, but they're still family, right? They still love each other. I mean, we have some that we don't like, but we love in the family. That's how church is to be, too. Listen, we're related to each other. I say when people can't get along and people are real short with each other, and I hope that God places you right beside that person at the marriage supper of the Lamb for all eternity. You spend all eternity next door to them. Listen, we're, you know, we're, 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 we are family, and maybe you say, well, I don't feel like family. Can I just say this? Maybe if you're the brother or the sister that you ought to be, you'll have the brothers and sisters that you want to have. It's kind of like this in a marriage relationship. Maybe if you be the wife or be the husband God's called you to be, maybe that other person will be. All I'm saying is this. We are related to each other. We are not only members of the same family. We are members of the same body. Romans 12, 5. So we being many are one body. Man, we should accept people who are different because God's accepted them. Judging's not our responsibility. I don't know their motives. We are related to each other. And then here's an important one too, number five, because I'm only accountable at the end of the day for myself. I got to an answer for me and my family. Look at verse 10 in case you don't believe me. We're going right through the text. Verse 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it off thy brother? Here it is. For we shall all stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of myself to God. Listen, we must live and have unity in spite of differences. This is something we're going to probably preach at least once a year on a Sunday morning. Because I think it's important for us to realize this. And I've seen, and I thank God our church is different. We, man, we, every once in a while we have some crazy person, you know, that wants to argue and fight with somebody else or something. But listen, that's not what God, that's not what God's called us to be. Y'all understand that? Like, it's okay if that person sitting across this room doesn't cross every T and dot every I the exact same way you do. I mean, let's just be honest. I don't agree with myself half the time. The more I study God's Word, guess what? The more He changes some things. There's some things in my life, I'll just be very transparent with you, that I used to be really hard about, really mean about. 
If you ask Sarah, I think she's in the nursery tonight, but as a young preacher, when, man, when I was in Pennsylvania for two years under her father and even in Baltimore for 13, there was things I would get up and preach that I, I, I really feel if I go back to those towns or some people I need to go apologize to because it was garbage. It's personal preferences. It was things that I had just heard growing up and I thought it was true, but it's no more scripture than uh, Harry Potter scripture tonight, okay? You see what I'm saying? And I've heard it, man. They'll get up and scream and holler and spit. And some of them even cuss over stuff that's not even in the Bible. And listen, it causes damage. And then what ends up happening? Here's what ends up happening. Some of us have fallen into this. We hear it. We believe it because we don't study to show thyself approved. And then we take on those practices and then we believe that what other, when other people don't fit within that bubble and against those extra biblical things, that they're not as good as we are. Can I just tell you what that, that's called a cult. That's called control. That's called, there's no priesthood in, in, of the believer. Listen, God's given all of us a Bible. And can I just, let me just say this, preacher said it ain't good enough. I'm just being honest with you. I've been, in, I've been in places where, oh, if the man of God says it, that's what it is. If it ain't in this Bible, find a new man of God. Somebody help me. Listen, if he's forcing something on you and forcing things on your family and trying to manipulate and try to control you, listen, that's not of God. Y'all understand that. The preacher's job is to get up and declare God's word and God's people to weigh it against Scripture and go out there and live it. They have the Holy Spirit. My job is to point you in the right direction. My job, man, I remember people coming in and asking, like, Crazy questions like, there, there's pastors, in case y'all don't know this, and we got a couple extra minutes tonight now. But there's places where the pastor actually expects people to come to him, like, for what car they should buy. That's insane. That's like craziness. Like, th- th- they will come ask questions like, what color, is this car okay for me to get? And should I do this? Y'all, y'all don't think that stuff happens? Uh, there's some of us standing in this room right now that could stand and testify. I could have Steve Stram stand up and testify right now about things he's seen. I could have Andy and Kayla right now stand up and tell about some things they've been through. I could have Jeremy stand up right now and tell about some places that he's been part of back in the day that people are still under bondage. Listen, let me just say this tonight. The gospel brings liberty and freedom. Listen, yes, we need a pastor. And yes, we need a preacher. And yes, we need a church. But God's word is our final authority for faith and practice. And if someone's trying to force us and someone's trying to raise something that's extra biblical to say we're spiritual or not it's a bunch of hogwash and trash tonight okay that's all i'm trying to say to you guys i want us to understand i want our church to be a place that loves god's word and we actually practice it now does that mean we're not going to have preferences no we are there's some things in my family that we're not going to do that you may do if it's not clear cut in scripture as long as i don't push that on you to say you're not spiritual if you don't do it exactly is everybody tracking with that tonight that's all I want to talk about tonight. So here's the thing. When you have that other brother and sister in Christ and they're doing something that you don't approve of in your mind and heart, that's okay for those red flags to come up, and they should. However, we must investigate the Scripture and make sure that those, things, those standards that we're holding them to and we're holding them accountable for line up not just with some preacher but with what the Word of God says. Does that make sense to everybody? Now, that's all I'm saying. I, I've seen so much division over stuff that don't really matter. I mean, like, whether a church has songbooks or they don't. I, I, got, I just wanted to tell you this. There was no redback hymnal in the book of Acts. I'm just telling you. I've been criticized because I don't preach in a tie. I have. I studied history a little bit. 
I found out something. It's amazing. Jesus didn't preach in Thai. I'm just being honest. I've heard, oh, I want to be old-fashioned, and you need to be an old-fashioned church. That's when I leave our church. I, I need an old-fashioned church, and that's fine. Well, how old-fashioned are we talking about, 1950s? That's what they're saying. I want church, and I like some things like that. I love this morning when we, we sing I Saw the Light, man. That's my kind of music. I like old-fashioned music. I like country music. I like that style. That's what I like. But what, what ends up happening, many times because I like that, if I'm not careful, that's all we're going to do, and we're going to make that a sign of spirituality. And if another church is doing something, is anybody awake in here tonight? If we're careful, we'll start judging people by our own standards, not what God's standard says. Oh, well, I've had this one too. And uh, we're going to take the sermon off live stream as soon as we've done tonight now. Um, I've had this one too. Oh, y'all have a cajon in church. Shouldn't have drums in church. Let me just read a passage. When y'all hear that, when people are critical of you because of music and stuff, I just want to read something to you, just some Bible real quick. Is that okay? I just want to show you. This is how weird people's minds get. Because we compare like the 60s and 70s Christianity to what they were doing in the book of Acts and what they were doing in the Old Testament. Listen, it ain't, that's not how it was, okay? That's foolishness to even believe that or say that. Let me just read something to you. Psalms 150, and I could show you tons of these. Let me just read this to you if I can find it here. Oh, you shouldn't have drums in church, and you shouldn't have instruments in church, and I don't like that new music. First thing that I tell people is this, and I thank God we have a good healthy balance here, by the way. Let me just say that. We do it on purpose. We're going to sing new stuff. We're going to sing old stuff. We're the only place in the world you may hear a Hillsong song and if uh, a Gaither's Quartet right after that, okay? We do that here. Probably the only place like that. Let me read something to you. Psalm 150. Oh, I don't like those drums and all that. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in a sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of a trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Man, that'll make some Baptists mad. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, and you decide what you believe. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and the organs. Praise Him upon the loud symbols i'm just saying don't take a rocket science this is in the king james with the lounge symbol. let everything that have breath praise the lord all i'm saying is some of us grew up in churches where drums were a sin i could give you more evidence for drums and dancing in church than you can give me against it from the scripture i'm just telling you i can we just gotta be careful now if a church decides they're not going to have that stuff that's fine as long as we don't try to push that on someone else. Everybody track on me as a sign of spirituality. So here's the, here's the message. Whether you eat or you don't eat, whether you play or you don't play, listen, we can't be judging those. You know, I know there's churches that are going to be way stricter. If they're doing it according to the word of God on the gray areas, listen, we are for them. We're cheering them on. Listen, if that other believer and that other pastor, friend of mine, does things differently, and a lot of the preachers I have in here do things differently, but we decided we agree to disagree on issues. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. By the way, many times our differences is what strengthens us. A lot of churches, you know what they are? They're echo chambers. Anybody that doesn't agree, they run them out. That's wrong. That's not Christ-like. That's not what unity. Now, listen, if someone's causing division, it's, the Word of God says, hey, mark those that cause division, and we've got a process for that. But for the most part, most of the stuff that places argue about is ridiculous. Have y'all figured that out yet, or am I the only one? Okay. So that's all I want to say. When you hear that brother or sister that may be a little different than you on a gray area that you've just heard your whole life, first of all, go check it with the Bible. You may be surprised what you find. The second thing I would say is this, and it's okay sometimes for us not to be exactly the same. There's strength in that. 
diversity. The church at Acts, the church in, in Romans, they were diverse churches. I've been in places, and I'll close on this. I'll get you out a few minutes early tonight. I've been in places, listen, where everybody looked the same. Everybody talked the same. Everybody smelled the same. I told you, I remember I was preaching at one church, and the preacher come out to me. And I preach in a lot of different kinds of churches. I think that's cool. I love those men. I mean, I'll preach in a tie. A lot, most of the churches I preach in, I'll wear a tie. Because that's what they do, and I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I'm going to submit to that if that's what they do. And they know I don't. You see what I'm saying? That's okay. That's what, how it's supposed to work. But I've been in places where I go in, and the preacher, Hey, Brother Potter, how you doing? God bless you. And then there's like a five-year-old that comes up. Hey, Brother Potter, how you doing? God bless you. Then you talk to somebody at the door. Hey, Brother Potter, how you doing? God bless you. Know, you see what I'm saying? Listen, our diversity and our differences, I believe this. Many times it's what gives us strength. That's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ. You know, we've all been gifted differently. Just like some have been gifted. With, and we should all sing. And I, I'm, I was making, I was just getting us to think earlier. Not everybody should sing a solo. Right? But all of us should sing here. Worship corporately. Listen, we, we all have different gifts, y'all. Not everybody should preach a sermon. You're probably saying, yeah, preacher, you shouldn't have tonight. Somebody help me. We all have different gifts. I mean, there's people that don't have the gift of teaching, which is a biblical gift. I mean, some have the gift of administration. Not everybody has that. Here's the point. We're all different. And you know when we're strongest as a church is when we all find that God-given gift and we function in that way, in that place that God has given us. He uses the example of the New Testament about the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears. Listen, not everybody has the patience to teach those kids' classes. It's like herding cats in there. Right? I mean, when you got 30, 40 kids in that little bitty room down there, that is chaos. It takes a special person. Hey, not everybody can change diapers. Amen, Jay? I hadn't heard this many amens out of you in a long time. Not everybody can change diapers. It's okay. Not everybody can work with their hands, but some people can. Man, they use, use the abilities and gifts that God's... That's how we all... That's how we have a strong church. And that's an awesome thing. So that's what I want to think about. Give those other people grace that may be different than you. Man, this is just a sermon that's been on my heart. And I, it's one I want to revisit regularly. Because that's, that's, what a beautiful, that's what a beautiful family looks like. Diversity of gifts. Diversity of people. Room for, for error. Don't have to cross every T and dot every I exactly the same way. But we can love each other in spite of it. So I'm not talking about the majors. I'm talking about those gray areas tonight. Let's pray together and then call in if we have some announcements. Father.